if I'm kind of nervous and, and jittery up here, I, my arrangement is not is not how I like it. So it's kind of messing with me a little bit OCD wise. So I'm kind of hoping that uh, I can work past that and uh, it'll teach us. So go to Joshua chapter one as we have been in. You guys all got a handout. That's all right. Give a handout. Are we right down to the line? Are we at the limit? You two slackers didn't get sheets. Come on. Then again, you walked in after I got down here, so I'll give you a little bit of. I'll give you a little bit of grace there, Gibson. Okay, so I wanted to cover basically a good amount of review um, for the first half of this. Because um, there's a lot of moving parts in Joshua. There's a lot in here doctrinally. Uh, this was written to the Jew, uh, but it's also for our benefit. The majority of the Bible was written to the Jew. And uh, again, coming off the of camp, the theme being from the inside out, we landed on Joshua because Joshua's name translated is Jesus. Jesus. And coming off of the camp theme from the inside out, we see where Joshua's at. And we're going to cover a little bit of that uh, here um, leading into this uh, this morning. So the whole base of the study covering the first week back in camp, the context being Joshua and Jesus, and uh, from our other uh, the weeks past, our introduction week, we had remembering your past, recognizing your present, realizing your future, and that is the method of salvation through the first five books of the Old Testament, which is also known as the law of... I'm looking at my wife. Thank you, Law of Moses. Because who wrote these books? Moses. Moses wrote these books. Until we get up, until we get up to the book of to the book of Joshua. So this is the old Old Testament method of salvation that we walk through, and we apply it to our New Testament economy. And it's important for us to understand how these things happened in, 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 in the Old Testament. And I wanted to run through it again briefly because it's not randomly or haphazardly that this order was put in the Bible. It was for God's people. It was for all people. And it's, it, it's, under, it's key to get down. It's also one of the key aspects in JBI to understand this, this flow. So the past, we needed to see the picture of salvation laid out in the first five books uh, via the lives of Adam and Genesis, the book starts with life and it ends with death. And then in Exodus, God raises up a deliverer, Moses. And the Passover instructions are given because the judgment 
is coming. So when you look at that and you look at your New Testament life with Jesus, you know that judgment is coming. So what do you need? You need a Savior. So ultimately, God works through Moses. And we're familiar with all the events with, with leading out of Egypt and, uh, and with Pharaoh. And the Passover instructions are given because, again, the judgment's coming. And because death that passed over, finally Pharaoh broken, the Jews go. God leads them supernaturally with Moses as their under-shepherd, like we have pastors here, and they are literally walking with God. So Exodus 13, 21, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He didn't just lead them any which way. It says to, he led them the way. So we think of the other New Testament verse that goes along with this is what? It's John 14, 6. Does anybody know it offhand? Correct. So you see how these things are lining up when you look at how to study the Bible. You compare Scripture with Scripture. All these things, they mash together. The order of it is, I mean, it's really amazing when you start looking at these things. It's no accident how this is all put together. So the Passover was a big deal. When you look at everything that happened with, with the Jews ending, being in captivity, and then finally the judgment comes, and it's the firstborn are going to die unless you did the instructions, and that was the blood of a spotless lamb being placed over the doorposts. You know, when I was studying this out and I was looking at it, the gravity of it never really hit me. And that was the Egyptians didn't do that. And when Death Angel passed over and their firstborn were taken, imagine that as a parent. I couldn't fathom that as a parent. And these moms, these dads looking on their kids, and they're, and they're, and they're gone. And then the Jews, who were obedient and followed these instructions, were not afflicted by that. And you got a dad you're looking at, and you see your whole family intact. And you really, I mean, finally the gravity of the whole situation is weighed in. It's like, oh, we got to go. So finally, everything, everything comes into play with them being able to go with that. So back to Exodus. The first copies of the law are written. Leviticus means joined to God. Additional guidelines are given in those laws, established for the Jew to follow to keep them faithful in their walk, in, in their walk with God. Daily their need for God and to keep them near to Him. Relationship. That's what all those laws and bylaws that were put in there for. And again, does it sound familiar? We have all these, we have a New Testament economy with these things. And uh, numbers. Numbers, they spy the land. Their eyes see. And forsake the God who brought them out of bondage. All the miracles that God did, how he protected them, how he guided them, by day, by night. They, they take all these things and, and, 
and they're and they're defeated. They're defeated before even before they even think of going into battle. They wander in unbelief. There's no growth in the book of Numbers. So an entire generation, forty years worth of folks, have to pass on, and then you finally have you know, and these all these parents' kids or grandparents' kids would have grown up. They would, probably would have been around your age, a little older, and so they're younger men, younger women. And and now they get it. They're understanding what took place and how they got to where they're at. There was no accident. There's no coincidences. Again, nothing was haphazard uh, leading into these events. So Deuteronomy, the second, the second giving of the law, the law of love, and this new generation embraces it. They love it. They believe it. They hear the stories of their fathers or grandfathers before them, and the writing of the law and the parting of the waters, and it fires them up. It fires them up. They're ready to obey and follow God. So this is old. Te- this is the Old Testament's redemption story, and it's coming to life, and it leads into Joshua. So that is remembering your past, now, the present. So Moses is dead now. God tells Joshua to arise and lead his people in the land. So Joshua 1, 1 through 5. We've covered that, and you can understand where you're at. And if you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside you. In Acts 1, 8, Acts 2, 4, you're saved. You've trusted alone, John 14, 6. So now what? So realizing your future, you faithfully trust in what the Word of God says about its past, the Old Testament economy. The example given was Abraham. And all that God commanded and showed him, and he did it, as illustrated in Hebrews eleven eight through sixteen. And you trust what is written. You faithfully trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and the resurrection. So you have decisions to make at your age now. So when you're when you're realizing your future, you got to start considering, especially at the age that you guys are at. You're young adults. You're not kids anymore. And it's really kind of crazy considering that we had a lot of you guys when we taught the fours and fives. We started that, you know, some of you came in last year and now this year, you know, you were one of the first kids that we had when we started teaching that age group. It is, is it just me or is it hot in here? I'm, yeah, crack it. I don't, it's, they're going to have to, if there's anybody out there just going to have to listen or whatever. Yeah, because I'm like burning up in here. Anyway, it's, you know, looking at where you guys are at now and seeing you guys when you were, you know, four or five years old and now a lot of you are 13 and 14 years old. A 10-year gap has passed in that time. You know, we're not going to teach you like your fours and fives. We're going to, you know, there's a lot more responsibility that we're expecting out of you guys. There's decisions that you guys have to start making independently and yeah you got to work around your parents and you got their authority to work through and and we get that and us as leaders we got to try to you know work within their guidelines as well but at the same time we're encouraging you guys realize where you're going what do you want your spiritual walk to look like do you want to be in a constant repetitive mode of sin forgiveness sin forgiveness sin forgiveness oh lord i'm sorry Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Or do you want to be what we're after?
this study and having a consistent, steady walk with the Lord and knowing where you're at. And ultimately, that's leading into why we've landed on Joshua. So do you need to be discipled? Do you need to be baptized? Again, a lot of these things go back to what was discussed at camp, but it doesn't have to take camp for you to decide how you want your life and your walk to be like. You can make that decision at any given time. It shouldn't have to... You don't always want the trials of life to end up becoming... They they, they shouldn't have to be your motivator every single time. You shouldn't have to have to be thrown into the cellar each time that you know something bad happens okay i'm gonna get right okay i'm gonna write it's you can you can analyze these things now realize where you're at because it's going to come you know there's going to come come a point you know you're going to have rough times any of you guys ever go ever go boating out on lake erie you've been on lake erie in a boat okay have you ever been on lake erie in a boat when the weather turns you have a little freaky pretty big boat or small boat smaller boat yeah if you've ever been in that situation and honestly I pray you guys never are I've been out there on a bass boat which if you're familiar with a bass boat it has a hull that's about this thick it's like a skateboard with a motor you know, as opposed to a deep V, if a boat like your parents' boat, it's a deep V boat, you can go skiing and, you know, all kinds of fun stuff on a, on a deep V boat. Well, bass boats for fishing, and they're not meant to go out on Lake Erie. So we were out there in like three to four foot waves, which you think, eh, three to four feet's not bad. Well, when you get out far enough, you don't see land anymore. I always try to pick a landmark when you, got for, when you get further out. And when you get so far out, you don't see anything anymore. And on top of that, if you don't set an anchor, if you don't have a compass in your boat, you drift when you shut the engine off. So you don't know, while you're out there in the water, you don't know what direction you're going to be pointing. If you didn't pick a landmark and you didn't grab a compass when you went to leave. (coughs) And if you're in three to four foot waves in a bass boat, it's not that fun because you know what doesn't stop? Waves don't stop. They keep going, and your boat goes like this, and you're like this the whole time, and you're trying to bait a hook, and you're like this the whole time. It's, it's frustrating. You think, wow, we're going to go boating. It's going to be fun. <laughs> Not all the time. Not all the time. We took my buddy with us, and we went out there. And I, I'm not, I mean, I don't have real good sea legs or anything, but, you know, we were out there, and he got sick. He got super sick. It became what was supposed to be a fun trip became a, a bad trip. And he, didn't, and he didn't have any fun. The whole point of that is that if the weather turns and you're on a boat like that, you're in deep crap, big time. Because you don't know, if you don't know what direction you came from and you got a storm blowing in, you have nowhere else to go and you are not a fish. So you can realize where you're at now in your walk. Realize where you're at in the water. Pick a landmark. Make sure you have a compass. And figure out your destination. That's where you guys are at right now. You're in a relatively safe spot. 
I always tell everybody at this age, I remember telling a few guys the first year in here, it's yours to screw up. You have choices. We're going to cover that here in a, in a minute. So where do you start? Decide what you want to do. Do you want to be discipled? Have you identified your talents? Have you identified your treasures? What are you good at? Are you using those things for God's glory? Or are you using them for vainglory? And that could go in a whole other direction with that, but I'll just I'll stop there. Because I don't always use the talents that I have for God's glory. You know, and I'm not saying that in a hypocritical manner. There are times when I do, like with my computer stuff that I do. Thankfully, I've been able to help out our missionaries. I've kind of turned into the missionary computer guy. And I enjoy doing that. It's been awesome because we, we end up talking a lot more about just, you know, devices or their needs or whatever. We have some good spiritual conversations. So I've been thankful that... You know, the knowledge that God's given me to be able to do those things, not just provided uh, a means to an income, but also a means to develop in relationships with, with our missionaries and fellow believers. So my question would be, what are you doing with the talents and treasures that you have to develop relationships with, with your you know, fellow classmates or, or whoever? Do you have somebody older who's mentoring you in, in the faith? You know, do you guys have anybody like that? These are all things where you're at right now, analyzing your present and realizing your present. And those are, you know, just some starting areas. If you haven't, those are things you ought to be praying about and really consider if you don't have somebody, uh, you know, mentoring you or if you're not being discipled yet. So the second week we we got into you have to build a foundation. We looked at God speaking to Joshua in chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and that he had other sub-leaders. Why? Because they had approximately 600,000 people at this point, and he couldn't do it on his own. Jesus had disciples. He had to, put, he had to train them, and then ultimately they were commissioned with starting the first churches after everything was shaken out in the New Testament. So... Joshua had officers to communicate these things, and we saw that in Joshua chapters 1, 10, verses 10 through 15. He couldn't do it on his own. So, we also look at, so, God raises him up, Joshua speaks to the people, but then the people respond. So, in 16, verses 16 through 18, and that's where our focus is going to be for the most part, and they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us we will do. And whether and whether whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee, as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against the commandment, and will not hearken under thy, unto thy words in all that thou commandest him. He shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. So do you think they're kind of serious about where they're at? Or are they just playing games? I think they're pretty serious. Joshua's pretty serious. The gravity of the situation, it's building up. Like I said, they finally realize where they're at. The second giving of the law in Deuteronomy. All these things come out. They love it. They embrace it. 
And now they declare that in verses 16 through 18, and it's about to get real. It's about to get real, real for them because now they're choosing to obey God. And this is in the book of Joshua and the following chapters, it just gets it gets amazing. And maybe it's different for me as a guy. I don't know because it starts to get into war and they're conquering people and all that. So maybe it's a little weird being a male. Females may not look at it the same way. I don't know. But I think what's more interesting is that you see in the following chapters where God is with them while they as they go into Jericho and they go into these other cities because they are told to take them and they are to take them by force. And sometimes that's what you have to do with your faith. You have to take it by force. Now it's a little different in our economy of the New Testament, but then but at this time this is what they were told to do. So, down on down on your sheets so great strength and courage. Okay? It's about to get real for them, but these verses, these words are repeated several times. Someone read verses 6 through 9. I get a volunteer. Go for it. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shall not divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Thank you. So you see in the pattern here, be strong and of a good courage, be strong of a great courage. There's a pattern there. Why? A lot of it had to do with the fact that the forefathers didn't obey. They were told to do this, and they didn't. So this is really a spot where God delivers encouragement. That's the whole basis of this. So we're going to dig into this a little bit more here. So this command this command is listed three times with different aspects pertaining to each one. Do you think that God wants them at this time and us today in our New Testament economy to nail this down? Yes. He wants us to nail this down. It is critical in our daily walk. Again, it goes back to the entire theme of this and walking with God. we got to nail these things down. So verse 6, why does he say be strong and of good courage? Because for once they're getting ready to go on the offensive. They're not just defending themselves from attacks here and there. They are they are getting ready to do exactly what God told their disobedient fathers to do. And what did their and what did their fathers say? So go to Numbers 14. Go to Numbers 14. Numbers 14. 
So chapter 13, they're sent to spy out the land. Spies come back. You know, they see that the land is great. It's full of milk and honey. They bring back these grapes. They're gigantic grapes. And they're like, the place is amazing. The place is great. But, 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 nevertheless, there's giants there. There's people that are great. They're of a great, they're of a great valor. They're strong. That walled cities. And they say that we're as grasshoppers to them. So they immediately, they're, just, they're, they're defeated before they even get out of the gate. That's what these spies come back and say. They forget all the things that God has shown them, witnessed with them, taught them, spoke, all these things through Moses. They, they take it out all on the line right here in Numbers 13. In Numbers 14, we're going to focus on 2 through, 2 through 10. And all the children of Israel murmured, against Moses and against Aaron and the whole congregation said unto them would God that he had died in the land of Egypt or would God we had died in the wilderness they're complaining look where they're at and wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey were it not better for us to return to Egypt this is where they're at Thankfully, I've never gotten to a point in my life where I said, you know, I think it'd be better that I was lost. And I just go back to being a lost man. Now, granted, our Bible says that when we are saved, we are saved eternally. We are saved into the day of redemption. And I trust that. And some people backslide, some people make decisions, and they go back to living like the world. I have grace with those folks. And it's not exactly our spot to judge them and say, well, they may not have ever been saved to begin with. Maybe not. Maybe they did. But I cannot remember a time where I sat there and thought, you know, the world had so much more to offer. Drinking cold beers and, and hanging it you know, and hanging with my buddies and, and living a sinful life and chasing this and that was more appealing. Going back to where I came from is not appealing. It's not appealing to this day, it wasn't appealing then. And I remember I remember though that I remember that time of salvation very vividly for me. And granted, it was later in life, but it was very, I knew that I was changed. I knew that I was different. I knew, I knew that there was far more, and I did not want to go back to that old life. They're, they're sitting here saying, it's better for us to go back. What a scary spot to be after the Lord God of heaven did all that for them, and that's where they're at. They have choices. This is where they're at. And they said one to another, let, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before they're ready to split. This is, this is a division that's brewing. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. However, and Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord God delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, 
for they are bread for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. That's some strong, this is strong stuff right here. And he's like, look, look where you're at. Look where we've been brought. You're talking about going back to your old lives? Are you crazy? But all the Congress, <laughs> and here's the world's response. And this is what the world does to us as modern day Christians who propose exactly what God would have them do. Oh, where am I at? But all the congregation bade stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. God was like, okay, done. Little temper tantrums over with you, you group. He usually had one man that stood up, two, actually. Joshua and Caleb. They wanted to go back to their old lives. So the question is, how many times do we see nothing but giants? These spies went into this land. How many times do we get scared regarding our faith? I don't want to live and die on the hill of evangelism as a ministry because there's lots of different ministries that all of us can do and all of us have different talents. It all plays into the body of Christ, as we know. But so far, I'm not being critical. Right? So don't take this too critically. But the fellowship has been good with you guys for the most part coming out of camp. A lot of get-togethers, a lot of you guys spending time together. 30-some-odd people sign up to do the thing at Noah's place and some of the other get-togethers you guys have had. But when we had the evangelism training, eight people showed up. Or not the evangelism training, but to go out to the uh, balloon fest to pass out tracks. Eight people showed up. So you have 30 over here to have fun and eight over here to go do the work. So, my question is, and like I said, I don't want to be critical of you guys because it takes time to work these things out. It takes time to build up courage. Evangelizing is not easy. It is not easy to do. I get that. But part of our walk is stepping out on faith and going and doing something that you're not comfortable with doing. I remember Jack, the first year that he was, you know, he was like, I'm going to go do it. He was, he was terrified, and if you know Jack, he's, <laughs> he gets squirrely when he gets nervous. And I feel bad for him because he's got to work it out, but he's willing to go do it, and he was willing to do it. I remember us walking through the Jackson Fest and, and helping him talk with people and just helping him break some ice and get engaged. If that's what you need to do, just have some help getting going on these things, we're here to help you guys do that. We're here to help you guys do that. We want to see you guys succeed. Does it mean that evangelism is your bread and butter ministry? No. And that's fine. That's okay. But we're called to do it. As Stephen mentioned in March 16, 15, yeah, we're supposed to go do it. So once in a while, put on the big pair of boots and let's go get after it. You're only interrupting people on the way to hell. I'm thankful for the people that interrupted me on the way to hell because it took several times. And I remember those times when people tried getting my attention. Like I said, certain talents and certain ministries are going to be your thing. But we need to focus on, it's not just fun and games. Put ministry to it. When you guys are together, check up on each other. How's your week been? You struggling with anything? You can wind up making some good friends and some good connections out of this. And it's not always in the same circles. You never know. 
you never know what you're going to get. So it's just some things to sit there and think about and consider, you know, working through the, you know, when we're working through this. So we get down to obeying the Word of God. And uh, I need to get back to where I was at. In verses 7 and 8. Bear with me here. So only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou, then thou shalt have good success. So these verses, it's personal. He's telling them, he's telling us, obedience is a choice. It's always a choice. God doesn't force us into it. We, should, we willingly choose. Adam and Eve in the garden, they had a choice. They had a choice. We always have a choice. We have a choice to obey or not obey. It's always there. It's going to glare at us in the face the entire time that we have life in these bodies. We're going to have to deal with that. But again, where's your walk going to be with the Lord when you're, when you're faced with the flesh and the spirit? So, so uh, option to obey, not obey as a result. You may prosper wherever you go. This is not talking about physical prosperity and I think the majority of you in here understand that because a lot of you've been here for a long time but it's not about physical physical prosperity about money and wealth and gain and you know all the vanity of vanities it's talked about in Ecclesiastes this book verse 8 this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth but for 8a but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that there is written New Testament synonymous Verses of 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Psalm 119.11 Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. These are all aspects of our Bible and our relationship with God. They all tie together. And all the Psalms, I mean the book of Psalms, the life of David, full of David's prayers and praises, and he talks about his afflictions, and there are many, there's many times he's grieved due to his enemies' pursuits of him. But what was his success? His success was his, was his relationship with God. He prospered in his relationship with God and all those things. He was protected from his enemies. He was, he was protected from the pursuit of Saul. In fact, the entire thing countered, and he got on top of Saul. We're familiar with that. He had the opportunity to take him out. God protected him. And he had the choice to take his life, and he didn't. He was merciful. His walk with God is proven all throughout that book. So those results were evident in his life. Turns out I did all the notes that I had on here. Now, did he have good success with Bathsheba? With David? You might say no. And at first... There was judgment due to his lustful flesh and not obedience. But she had Solomon. 
she had Solomon his son. Solomon went on to build the temple. There was still success there. David was a strong and a good courage due to his relationship with God. That's where we can be. The prosperity and success is your spiritual testimony, not great physical and self-indulgent gain. All out of our choice to obey the word of God. That's what these verses are covering. And again, going back to what the contextual aspect of this is in Joshua, they're getting ready to go take their land. And he is encouraging them. Be of good courage. They need it. They need. They're about to go. It's gonna get. It's gonna get crazy for them. It's gonna get crazy for their enemies. It's gonna be wild. So the last bullet point here: overcoming fear and dismay, and be faithful. So verse nine: Have not I commanded thee? Final time: Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. How many times are we afraid? Like I said, going to evangelize, I get afraid going to talking to people. And it's relatively easy for me to talk with people. I don't know why. I feel like I'm an introvert a lot of times. I'm not Mr. Social by any means. My wife makes fun of me for it to a degree, don't you? A little bit. Because I'll just start talking with people. You know, I mean, there was a guy at the football game the other night people that were sitting next to us they left and because we were i mean we're right on the front row at the 30 yard line at the falcons uh bench so you know a couple of you know a couple of different dads and their sons came down and sat next to us well the one guy i mean he just started i didn't really want to talk you know i'm just there you know i'm watching the game but he starts saying hey where are you from from around here well, yeah grew up around here where are you from avon I'm thinking he's going to say he's like from, you know, New York or somewhere from Atlanta because you have people that travel there a lot. He's like, no, Avon. I was like, no, been fishing up there. You know, it was just, it was a very general conversation, but I mean, it just, it just happened. So those conversations, you know, you don't have to be afraid when it comes to those things, but the context here is don't be afraid because they're about to go in and take their land. That God has said is rightfully theirs. <laughs> says for the Lord for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest so he's driving the command home he's given the command but we choose to obey it or not each decision has results keep in mind what they're getting ready to go do as I've mentioned this all ties back into verse 5 there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. In our flesh, this entire set of verses that we work through, our flesh is going to struggle with this all the time. It's a difficult, it's, it, we're going to struggle with it. So he says, and no man shall be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. He won't fail him. He's not going to forsake him. God's with us. He's with them at that time. When you belong to Jesus, you belong to him eternally. He is with us. The question is, are we settled on that? Are we settled on that? As we was talked about last week, people that are settled on their faith in God, like Al Vaughn and your grandfather, and there's other men that come to mind also. He finished discipling me. 
I didn't finish discipleship with my first disciple. I ended up working with, with Al, and I finished finished with him. And it was amazing to get to meet him and get to know him and know his heart. When I think about men like him, that's who I want to be. That's who I want to be in my walk, in my faith. That's the example that I want to be to my children. You know, if you think and you know of godly men and godly older women in your life, do you want to strive to be like them? Do you see where they're at? Those are the people that you should have a focus for. Those are the people you should be paying attention to, have a consistent, strong walk with the Lord. He knows that he's walking with God. She knows that he's walking with God. Do you want, the question is, do you want to be that type of person in the Lord? You can be that at your age. You don't have to go out and leave here when you turn 18 and set the world on fire and go experience the ring of hell to come back out and go, I need Jesus. Yes, you do. But you don't need to go live like that to finally live and experience, okay, I want to live godly in Christ. That was the whole premise of everything where they're at, from the first giving of the law to the second giving of the law of love for the Jew at this time. They were disobedient. They went, they wanted to do their own life. They wanted to go back to their old life. You want to go and do those things? You can. It's your choice. But I'm telling you, and any of us who, you know, your leaders, some of us have been, we've been through the ringer. We have seen sin. We, I've seen the side of people that I never want to see. If your mind can think it, it can go there. It's sick. Sin is sick. And it covers a lot of broad aspects. It's not just sexual sin. It's manipulation. It's people that have agendas that are self-gaining, and they don't care if you get ran over by a semi, a bus, it doesn't matter. They will drag you through the mud. I've seen it. I've seen it just as recently as the past month with a coworker who claims to be a believer. That, that individual was instrumental in our supervisor losing their job because of the things that they said. This Bible warns about the tongue. It's wicked. You can have wicked things come out of it. So in closing, I want you guys to look at Psalm 91. Did you guys get all the blanks on your sheet? I kind of... <laughs> I didn't. What do you guys? Did I not cover any of them? You covered some of them. So, are you willing to let go of you? Will you get settled on your faith? Let me see your sheet. Sorry. <laughs> well, see, I start looking at my notes, and I've got the details written in my notes, but then I realize what I want to say, and I just start going off of it and then I don't look at my sheet and I can't remember all of them so last part are you so great strength and courage are you willing to let go of you and will you get settled on your faith is that one and the other one I'm going to have to go back and look at
Sorry, it's rookie hour up here. You have to deal with me. Of course, I got five miles of notes on here, so I can't find it right away. If I can just find, there we go. Communicated. So Joshua spoke to the people, and that there are approximately 600,000 Jews at this point, so these sub-leaders communicated, communicated that. He couldn't do it on his own. So sorry about that. Now i got to get back on point. Bringing all this back around. God being with us. Psalm, Psalm 91. He that dwelleth, and this is where you could be at. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. You can certainly say that the first generation that was supposed to go into the land was not in this mindset. Their heart was not here. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come to nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. He makes it his habitation. His relationship is a habitation, habitat. It's not just fire insurance for him or where things get tough. It's habitat, habitation. I lost my spot. Which verse? Found at ten. There shall no there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet, because he hath set his love upon me. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me. I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. You think David was settled on his relationship with the Lord? You can have that. You can be there. It takes great courage. It takes great strength. You guys have any questions? Elliot, would you care to close us in prayer? Thanks, guys. Next week, I'm probably going to be doing more of a testimony on walking with God, not necessarily continue to study because Stephen gets a little, he wants to keep it in his wheelhouse, which I'm cool with. 
but he's also given me the liberty to kind of go a different direction with it. So thanks, guys. Have a good day. And you work with us.